Good afternoon. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA, on Business Buzz. Nice to, nice to be back in a. Well, the weather's getting to be a lot nicer than it was a couple weeks ago. The Chico weather is up and down sometimes, and September has definitely been an up and down month. We had the triple digits and the hundred and tens. Now we're finally getting a little rain, which hopefully will continue. I believe it's not going to continue for long in this last little group, but it is nice to have some rain finally with not too hot of temperatures either. So it's been really nice. Chico is, it's a good place. You get a few different seasons. You get the heat in the summer, you get cold in the winter, but you don't get snow. And the way I know that Chico normally very rarely gets snow is if it did get snow, I wouldn't be a long-time resident. That's never been my cup of tea. When I learned to ski as a young teenager, my brother and I learned at the same time. He loved it, and I didn't really take to it, so he became a pretty good skier. He even did races. He didn't do it professionally, but he, he was a ski racer, and he would always go up to ski whenever he could, and I just didn't fall in love with that. My main sport was uh, bowling and baseball when I was young and tennis as an adult. So those are my, those are my main three. And I was a pretty good bowler. Does anybody still bowl anymore? I, I had one set of clients who used to come, and they were from out of town, but they would come see me during tax season every year on like a Monday afternoon at four because they had a bowling league in Chico. Out of all those hundreds of clients, though, that's the only one that I can remember that was a regular league-type bowler. So I'm not sure if there's a lot of people bowling anymore. I, I do know that the old lanes down on the Esplanade, I can't remember, the, oh, it used to be called Orchard Lanes. You know, they always name things after what, got replaced, like, uh, you know, like Oak Tree Apartments. That's named after what got chopped down to put them up. Or Creek, you know, Clear Creek Apartments, stuff like that. There used to be a Clear Creek, that kind of thing. So it was Orchard Lanes for a long time. When I was in college in the late 70s, I used to, I joined a couple leagues there, and that was fun. And now it's called Bolero. I don't know if it gets crowded. I haven't really been in there. I do see it now and then because I I do bank at that U.S. bank occasionally on the Esplanade. Uh, I have some clients with some businesses in that neighborhood on the Esplanade. And I do go to Rayleigh's occasionally on the Esplanade. As far as the Chico traffic, though, that is one of the worst areas. There's certain areas around 5 o'clock that are unbearable. Now, with, of course, with school on, you know, things get a little crowded around 3 o'clock, but 2.30 or 3, but they're not that bad. But around 5, the two areas that I notice being the worst would be Highway 32 down around 2nd Street, where where Second Street meets Thirty Two around Burger King, if you have to get from there to 
trying to remember, like the, the, from there through, you know, West 8th or East Avenue, that can really be backed up around the Safeway and the West Sacramento area. So that's a, that's a bad traffic bottleneck. The other one is the Esplanade on the way down to East Avenue and Eaton Road heading north. I got stuck in that one day around 5 just kind of randomly. And I was pretty shocked at how much traffic there was. I believe it's probably because, correct me if I'm wrong, there's tons of new housing subdivisions and apartments that have been built out on that North Esplanade and Eaton area. There's just too many to, uh, there's too much traffic to be handled by the old roads that were, you know, built 50 years ago, 60 years ago. It's also interesting that there's only really two ways to get through Bidwell Park. I'm trying to make sure I'm not mistaken on that, and I'm right. Where it turns into Mangrove, and that comes from, you know, the street, I can't remember, it's Pine or Olive or something like that. But where it turns into Mangrove, that crosses kind of through the bottom of the park. The only other way through the park Technically, would be the freeway goes over the park, so you don't have to stop for that. But the only other street that actually you can drive, you know, and bisect the park is Manzanita. That's become a complete bottleneck at certain times of day. Really, really backed up. The traffic circles help when you're going straight through to get through that on that street, but they really don't help when you're coming off a stop sign trying to get onto that street at certain times of day, mainly around 8 a.m. in the morning at school time and around 5 o'clock later, that's the one thing that doesn't work out quite right with those traffic circles is that the streets that have stop signs, if you're entering from that street, smaller street, it's almost impossible to get onto Manzanita unless somebody lets, lets you in. So that's kind of tough. The other, uh, while I'm on a traffic tirade, I guess, I just got on the subject because I've been driving quite a bit today, visiting a few places here and there. While I'm on a traffic tirade, I have a complaint, but it does look like they're doing something about it, at least a step. So what strikes me is there's lights on Mangrove, and I'm sure people run some of those reds. Those lights on Mangrove, quite a few of them have the little cameras. So I believe if you run a red, the little camera will take take the picture. It's like when you're in the Bay Area and you have to do a bridge toll these days. You don't stop and pay. They just send you a bill in the mail based on your license plate because they have cameras. I notice Mangrove has quite a few cameras above those stoplights. So, uh, you know, I guess they're getting some traffic tickets off of those. The one that I see the most reds getting run, tell me if you agree with this, the corner of East 1st Avenue and Sherman turns into Mildred. It's where the library, Butte County Library is. I go through that light a lot because my office is near that intersection. I'm, I'm going through that light a lot from the Sherman side. I have seen almost, almost at least every other day, somebody run that red. In other words, I'm sitting there at a red light. My light turns green 
and I always take time to look. And two seconds after mine turned green, if I had jumped out on the green, I would have been killed because some person, I'll, I'll be polite, some person in a big truck just goes right through that red light uh, heading down east first toward Mangrove. Now, I did hear that last week there was a big accident there that crashed into somebody's fence. And what I did notice today, and I was going to, my main point of this is that I've been thinking for weeks, they really should have a camera at that intersection or a couple cameras at that intersection. But I did notice today at that intersection, they were putting up those yellow strips around the stoplights. And I know that's been tested and proven to get people to pay more attention to the stoplights when they see the color yellow. So they were putting up those yellow strips around that light. So I'm sure they'll all be yellow stripped by the time I go back through that intersection. Uh, I'm kind of wondering why that particular intersection took so long to get the yellow strips going and they still don't have a camera. I mean, I've seen the yellow strips now for what about maybe a year around a lot of different lights, but that's really, to me, the worst light in town. It just it gets run red very often, and I've seen it many a time. I know they can't be everywhere at once, but it's the old, where, where are the police when you need them? Not that you need them that bad, but it sure would be nice to give some of these people running a red a, a ticket so they stop. Not that, not that I want them to get a ticket. It's that I just want them to stop. Speaking of stopping... I'm kind of random today. I have had so much work. I'm still way backed up. Uh, tax season's extension season ends October 15. I've got a lot of taxes I'm really trying to get finished, and I can't get them all done right now. I'm still hiring some new people, so I'm just behind. An interesting fact, I've been told by my receptionist that a lot of people are calling, asking if I'm taking new clients because everybody else they've called said, no, they aren't. And that led me to think, hmm, maybe I can now start my minimum fee of $1,200. Just sort of kidding. Now, I know Liberty Tax, H&R Block, there used to be Jackson Hewitt, but I don't believe they're still in Chico. Those are sort of like the national chains. They will, I believe they always take new clients. They won't say no. It does seem, though, that the other preparers in town are not taking new clients. And I mean, I try to, especially if they're referred. If someone comes to me referred by a, a good client of mine that I've known for 30 years, it's hard for me to say no to that referral. But I am starting to say no to a lot of the phone callers that I don't know just because it's, it's too much work these days. Like I've said before on Business Buzz, there's really no such thing as a simple tax return anymore. Even the basic tax return with one W-2 and a few children. Now we have all these advanced credits we have to check, all these stimulus checks we have to verify whether they received them or not. Everybody who says they didn't receive them ends up 90% of the time it turns out they did. And it's just a... Like I say, there's just there's no such thing as an easy return anymore. 
they've gotten rid of the 1040 EZ completely because no, the, nothing's that simple. So I really don't, um, I mean, I know inflation's a bummer for everybody, but um, I can see where fees of fees in general are just going to have to go up. I, I can no longer afford to do them for the prices I used to do them for, even though I would like to. It's just too much work these days. They've made it very, very complicated. And every time they threaten to simplify it, huh, never seems to work out. Oh, speaking of running reds, this may be kind of a random day on Business Buzz. I apologize. I found it interesting that there's a problem with Tesla's autopilot feature when it comes to being coming up on the back of a motorcycle. I guess a motorcycle isn't big enough for the autopilot feature to see the vehicle in front of you when the vehicle's a motorcycle. And this article is called Motorcyclist in Florida Killed After Being Hit from Behind in Tesla. Now, I don't know how many of these there's been, but it sounds like it could be a problem. And I just can't believe anyone would sit in a car and go on autopilot. I guess, I guess the pilots in the airplanes, you and in the you know the commercial airliners, I guess they used to say that when autopilot came out for planes. I guess they probably said the same thing. And I know nowadays, other than takeoff and landing, most of the flight is all autopilot with the computers guiding the plane. So I know they do a good job overall. So back when that started, I'm sure there were pilots saying, I'm not going on autopilot, but I just can't see a car on autopilot. That, that doesn't make sense to me, and I, I wouldn't do it. But I thought that was kind of interesting. They've got some system where the, the, the speed will slow down if there's a vehicle in front of you, but if the vehicle in front of you is a motorcycle, you don't, it, the system doesn't recognize it. That's a little... That's a little on the scary side, I think. I suppose driving in Chico is a lot easier than driving in uh, other areas, so we really can't complain here. The other thing I always think is funny is guys who spend... Well, there's our first break. I'll get back to that car subject soon as this break is over i'm harold little john cpa thanks for listening to business buzz i'll be right back here's rick box founder of unconventional business network with today's integrity moment when studying King Jehoshaphat, you'll notice that he was a good king, but he also had areas in his life which he compartmentalized. King Jehoshaphat consistently took his battles to the Lord. Once Jehoshaphat was confronted by three nations, because he took the problem to God, God delivered Jehoshaphat from all three nations without him having to do anything. Yet, when it came to Jehoshaphat's business ventures, he sometimes partnered with wicked kings without consulting God, costing Jehoshaphat dearly. In 2 Chronicles 20.37, 
7, a prophet told Jehoshaphat, Because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The ships were wrecked and were not able to set sail to trade. God can bless your life and your business. Take them both to, learn to the more Lord. about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Since you lack wisdom, everybody lacks wisdom. That's why we need to ask of God. He's the only one who can give us the right stuff. Wise in your own eyes. You're always right. Watch out. God's message is, whoa, this is dangerous. David Hawking reminds us to remain humble before God. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, here on a nice Chico afternoon. It's almost the fall, but it's technically still the summer, so it doesn't feel like summer today. It's kind of nice this way. I'm, I'm glad of that. I was talking about uh, drivers and, well, I was going on about the Tesla thing, but I don't know. It's just uh, anybody who would want to do um, anybody who would want to do autopilot sort of is a that kind of that kind of surprises me. I I would not be interested in doing that. So I've got uh, I've actually gone back a little bit into the wayback machine today because there's some things that are. They're interesting that I might have mentioned before on Business Buzz, but I think they're worth another mention. So one of the things I'd like to do, since I'm kind of off the cuff today, I always encourage people to learn and to study and to get an alternative viewpoint to some of your things you may be wondering about. And uh, one of the ways I do that is to read a lot of different, uh, read from a lot of different places. And I think I'll take a couple minutes right now and just give you a few names to look up if you're interested. Uh, these are especially the ones I'm thinking of right now. They're especially good on YouTube. Um, and I mean, YouTube's so easy. You can just go find it, click on it and sit and listen to it. You don't have to buy the book or read or anything or find it online, it'll be on YouTube. So one of the guys I like a lot, and I every time he's on, I pretty much listen to his whole interview. I'm in the middle of one that's about 40 minutes long, and it's just fascinating. His name is Rafi Farber, R-A-F-I-F-A-R-B-E-R. And uh, he's a really good, uh, he's a really good interview. And um, he does a lot of uh, business news, and he's a really good guy. 
So that was one name I kind of like. Um, another one I like is named, um, what's his name? Oh, Rob Kirby. Uh, he's If you can find a Rob Kirby interview, uh, that would be a good one. And those are some of the ones that I recommend you go ahead and read and um, wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt to get a little bit of an uh, alternative viewpoint. So I've been uh, sort of rambling a little bit today because I have a guest in the studio, and uh, his name is uh, David Zink, and he's running for assembly. And to be honest, I've never met him before, but he's a friend of a friend, and uh, it turns out that he was available to come in and do a little bit of an interview today. So I think we're going to learn a lot uh, now that he's here, and I'm I'm I've got a lot of good questions that I'm interested in finding out. So if you could welcome um, David Zink. Hi, David. It's a pleasure to meet you, Harold. How are you? Thanks for coming in. <laughs> yeah, so tell, t- first give us a little background. What are you running for and when's the election? Well, I'm running for California State Assembly District 3, uh, which is... Uh, been redrawn this past year <clears throat> because every 10 years we do a census and redraw the lines. Uh, so the current uh, district boundaries are the whole counties of north to south, uh, Tehama, Butte, Glen, Sutter, Yuba, and a carve out of Placer County. If you start at the outskirts of Lincoln, and just head north and keep driving until you get to just beyond Red Bluff. That's the district. Oh, so is it bigger than before or just a little different shape? It's a different shape. Uh, we do. It is bigger because we have... Uh, a There's more population. Slightly growing population, yeah. yeah. We didn't grow enough in population to keep one of the congressional districts. Oh, right, uh, right. I remember that, yeah. District, yeah. yeah. Wow, so. so, and this is a... Every two years or every four years? Every two years. And uh, just uh, what I find is that many folks um, need a refresher on... Yeah, I don't know much about the state. I mean, I don't know. I'm not huge on it all, but the sure. state, I'm not that aware of all the details. Yeah. I do. All, I know my, my representative and my senator, and eh, that's, I don't know how often they've been in and all that. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they've been around a while. Mm-hmm. So do you have a party affiliation? I do. I'm. I'm. Uh, and, and I'll say it's a light affiliation. Um, I'm running as an independent-minded Democrat. Oh. And I stress. <laughs> I stress the independent-minded. Um, you know, when I first announced to my friends that I was running for elective office, well, the first question was, "So, David, you're running as an independent, right? Because right. because they know me. I'm, right. I'm an independent thinker. I don't side entirely with one or the other side because right. I really want to do my homework." And I want to own the positions that I have on issues. And uh, so I've done that work. But, but more than that, I'm trying to send a message back to the Democratic Party that, look, uh, while I'm running as a Democrat, because I agree with many of the values of the Democratic Party. They're all listed, by the way, at uh, kdem.org. It's C-A-D-E-M dot O-R-G. Oh, that's a good website to know. If you, uh, if you want to review what where Democrats really stand on the Oh, is this California Democrats? C-A-D-E-M. Yes, California Democrats. Right. Um, 
C-A-D-E-M. So we can't always assume everybody agrees with the governor on every point? No. Okay. In, <laughs> in fact, I'm speaking at a presser tomorrow on an area of disagreement uh, with the governor, but, oh. um, but I'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm running as an independent-minded Democrat in part to tell um, the Democratic Party, look, I may agree with many of your values, if not all, uh, but uh, I have my own mind and I have an obligation to represent. You know, our, our Constitution um, lays out a framework that is excellent for us to build on. And it's worked for us for so long, and we should try to do that. Right, because so, a lot of people forgot all about that part. <laughs> exactly. Look, the first three words of the Constitution, they are uh, our social contract together, right? It, it's the cornerstone from re- which the rest builds. Those first three words, your listeners will remember, Right. we the people. And we the people, it, that suggests two kinds of respect. If you remember uh, the historic context, there were no other democracies on the planet at that time. Right. Countries were run by authoritarians. There was always some sort of a model where you had somebody that had more sway than the rest of everybody else. Um, But the we the people model that we struck, that was built on a respect for the rights of the individual and the needs of the community. And uh, the tension between those two areas of respect uh, describe our history as a country, working that out in real time, right. uh, decade after decade. So, um, you know, we believe in we the people so much that the first institution named in the Constitution is the House of Representatives. Right. <laughs> we build from the bottom up, not from the top down. Excuse me if I look confused. You don't sound like a Democrat that I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if you've met Democrats... I've got a stereotype in my mind because I, yeah. I have a lot of clients on all different sides of the sure. spectrum. Sure. So I don't get political with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do, but I act like I'm, <laughs> right. like I'm one of them. But right. the, the, no, I mean, the bottom line is I think a lot of people... If you believe what you read on the or hear on the TV, mm-hmm. you'd think half the half the population wants this way, half wants the other. But in reality, it may be a lot more 70-30, maybe. Well, you know, and we can talk more about that. I've got some, uh, you know, uh, I've got some ideas, uh, some opinions about what's going on there. But but to get back to the we the people thing, right. Look, we're built on mutual respect. Respect for the individual, respect for the needs of the community and those things, trying to, trying to hold those things into balance. We're coming up on that second break. I'm uh, going to thank David for being here. We're going to be right back and we're going to talk some more local politics. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Be sure to listen to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries, Monday through Fridays at 10 a.m. on Life Radio, KKXX, AM 930 and FM 104.5. Weekdays at 10 a.m. and Saturday morning at 8 here on KKXX. Tune in weekdays at 7.30 for Focus on the Family here on KKXX. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. 
defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dacus. Pacific Justice Institute is suing New York City on behalf of a fired teacher. You see, New York City violated the teacher's First Amendment free exercise of religion because she was terminated after being denied her request for religious exemption from the COVID vaccine mandate. The city also violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment as teachers in private schools were granted accommodations. And in addition, the city violated the state's constitution, which prohibits discrimination. Please partner with PJI by praying for the attorney representing this teacher and for an outcome protecting the free exercise of religion. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. By constantly keeping their radio dial locked in right here, our listeners experience a difference in their day. You wake up with God on your mind, and um, all through the day, as much as I can get a chance, I'm listening to the radio. The atmosphere that you create determines the product that you'll produce. And so through the course of your day, you start your day with the presence of God so that your day will be productive and you know you can do the will of God and have a clear mind in doing it. Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. On a nice summer afternoon, I won't be able to say that for too long. Uh, we're here with uh, my guest, David Zink, who is running for State Assembly in District 3, and he's running as an independent Democrat. Maybe he needs to start a new party. And I'm going to ask him right now to fill us in a little bit about his background and uh, reasons why he might be a good, good qualified person for this position. Tell us a little bit about that. Will do. Let me just finish the thought from uh, before the break, sure. so, because that'll lead into the next part. So um, back to we the people and the respect that we that we have that's due to each other um, under the Constitution. You know uh, that that we the people is the cornerstone of our social contract. It relies on respect. When you withdraw that respect, then the country begins to not work. The social e- either contract, side, either side, right. it it begins to not work. Things begin to fall apart. Um, so I mentioned that the first institution in the Constitution was called, or is called, the House of Representatives. Right. That word represent means uh, to act or speak on another's behalf. Right. So when we elect a representative, their, their job is to represent us, not just the winners, but also the losers. Right. Us. Right. So um, when I say I'm running as an independent-minded Democrat, I am running to represent us. That, now, that doesn't mean that we don't have a fight going on on the issues. We do. But I love a good fight. I believe in a good fight. I believe in a good fight. You know, the reason that we uh, come into conflict is because we got some bad ideas somewhere between us. Maybe they're on my side. Maybe they're on your side. Maybe they're on both sides. If we don't engage with each other with respect, then we don't give ourselves a chance to kick out those bad ideas. Right. And that's the topic I'm going to bring up in a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So lean in with respect and curiosity. 
Um, and uh, so far I've described campaigning in one of two ways. One is fleecing your friends for funds. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you have to. Yeah. <laughs> Fundraising is just a pain. Every, every candidate has to go through it, right. you know. But if you don't raise funds, you can't get the message out. So you've got to raise the funds to get the message out. Right. Um, the second one I describe is chasing Republicans down the street. And here's what I mean by that. <laughs> Frequently, I'll hand out a palm card as I'm campaigning at the uh, farmer's market or right. at the county fairs. And or they look in the street Democrat and they make up their mind. I say, hi there. My name's David Leon Zink. I'm running for California State Assembly District 3, and I'd love to earn your vote. And often the first question I get is a challenge question. Are you a Democrat or a Republican? Right. And I'll say, well, I'm an independent-minded Democrat, and I can't get another word out. Most often, the Republican that I'm speaking to is saying, ah, you Democrats, you're... Right, right. And then yeah. they give me their list of grievances. Right. And then they pivot and walk away. Right. Like, like that's going to so be... So you can't the, have a discussion or anything. That's when the campaigning begins. Uh, I began to follow right. them down the <laughs> sidewalk and say, now, hold on now, hold on now. Right. It's we the people, not we the political party, right? right? Right, You vote for the person, not the party. Why don't you tell me what you've got on your mind? What is the state of California doing or not doing that affects you? What would you like to see them stop doing or keep doing or start doing that would make a big difference in your life? I'm all ears. Wow. Because when I get elected, I'm going to want to represent you. Oh, that's a great thing. And so uh, that's how I engage with voters. That's who I am as a person. You asked uh, about my background. Right. So I've spent 20 years as a self-employed consultant now. Um, that builds on a previous, uh, I would say, 15 years working with uh, nonprofits in direct response fundraising. And so um, I can mention, you know, my wife and I fell in love at Azusa Pacific College, uh, which then became a university, a Christian university down south. Um, we, uh, uh, we had to do community service, and we did outreach to downtown Skid Row, Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Uh, and so we opened up the program, and we actually fell in love while we were reaching out to the homeless on the streets. Um, I, the homelessness uh, issue has been on my heart since before then and ever since. I was, when, I, when, when my career path uh, was a left or a right uh, at age 30, uh, the choice was between being an executive director of a, a kitchen that fed the homeless on the streets or being a peon at a direct response fundraising company that uh, generated funds for rescue missions around the country. I took the latter job because it offered me health care. Uh, and so, you know, I went down that career path and ended up helping to raise uh, tens of millions of dollars for homeless organizations around the country uh, as a result. Wow. Um, now, when I entered my uh, con consulting experience, um, uh, self-employed as a consultant, I began to work with a firm in Washington, D.C., um, that had me calling on cities and counties, the, the mayors and city managers and the county administrators, also on colleges and universities, the presidents and vice presidents of whatever there, and uh, healthcare organizations, hospitals and medical centers. So is um, the main focus of your consulting been on helping these types of organizations? Or it has Helping been. people generally, right? It, yeah, helping people generally. And so, um, it, you know, the, the, the firm that I was consulting with in D.C., they serve only those who 
uh, only those organizations who feed people, house people, educate people, create jobs for people, uh, uh, heal people, you know. In, in other words, the kind of work that is good for society. Right, right. And it's given me a real perspective on what, how the federal government is working in terms of um, the areas of healthcare and education and in local government. Um, and I've called folks from all around the country. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's given me a good sense of our body politic and uh, you know what, what the issues are that really matter to Americans. And so I'm bringing that perspective to the state of California now. I've also been a community organizer. And so uh, my wife and I moved back to Butte County. By the way, uh, so that your listeners know, um, my family settled in Butte County back in 1860. Oh, wow. In the shadow of Bald Rock. And so if you've ever been up to... I've seen pictures. Yeah, if you've been no. to Bald Rock, it's above Oroville. You drive up Bald Rock Road. Uh, it splits. Uh, the uphill side of Bald Rock is Bald Rock Road, and on the lower side is Zinc Road. And you think they knew James Littlejohn in Yuba City? Well, it's possible. Was yeah. he a farmer or yeah, a when rancher? They, he came out from Ohio in the 1860s. Yeah. He was yeah. the water district guy. Oh, is that right? For the Sutter or whatever. Sutter <laughs> County, something like that. Yes, lots That's of us awesome. have, lots so, of us have well, a background there. I, I'm curious. Uh, it, so, it sounds like you are... Um, kind of, you're really, you've got a lot of experience in helping people. So I'm curious if you have any particular ideas for some of our local problems, like the homelessness is one of them that yeah. people get into a big discussion all the time. And sure. everybody, I mean, I, for one, have very mixed feelings because I want to help people. But then again, I don't want, you know, businesses to suffer and things like that. So the, there's a lot of trade-offs when you have a, a lot of homeless. Right. So what do you, give me a little overview of how you feel about that or what you might think about it. Sure. I'm not going to ask you what you're going to do about it. <laughs> well, um, look, uh, I'd like your listeners um, to, to, to hear me say, uh, be, because I think many of your listeners will agree with this statement, that um, homelessness is, the situation is created for lots of different reasons, and they vary person by person. Some folks assume if you're homeless, then you um, have uh, some sort of drug addiction or you, you have uh, some sort of mental illness. Um, and the fact is, those reasons do exist among the homeless, but they are in the vast minority of the reasons why people are homeless. Look, um, my wife and I lost a home in the campfire, uh, and so... Uh, that day, 50,000 people were made instantly homeless. Today, in the city of Chico, 60% of those who are living on the streets were my former neighbors in paradise. It's not drug addiction. It's not mental illness that put them on the streets. It was the campfire and the lack of affordable housing. Um, look over to the country of Japan. Uh, the triple disaster that hit Fukushima in 2011, the earthquake, the tsunami, and uh, the nuclear meltdown. Um, those folks, great region, many made homeless. The country of Japan stepped up and created affordable housing for all of those who needed a place to come to ground and stabilize. Now, their sense is... Um, they don't want people to stay in that housing forever. 
but they want them to stay in their stabilized living situation for as long as it takes for them to figure out how to make the next move, and they don't force them out before they're ready. So there are still people still in housing uh, post-Fukushima triple disaster. Wow. But the country stepped up because they believe that uh, housing is a human right, and they're not going to take that right away. We have a different model here in the United States. Right. Um, you know, the city of Houston, when it comes to, you know, the, the pandemic of homelessness that we've got right now, the city of Houston, Texas, is leading the way on this issue. They've done a very enlightened thing. They've brought all the, all the players that work in this uh, sector of uh, serving the needs of the unhoused, um, and these are faith-based organizations, other sorts of private organizations, and it's also the, the city government and the state government. They've brought all the stakeholders around a table, and they've uh, shared out what each, what each one of them uh, are doing, what they have in terms of resources, and what the needs are that have yet to be met. And by sharing openly uh, all together in a collaborative situation, they've struck on a model for serving the homeless that can serve as for the rest of the country. Wow. Well, we're going to come up on that last break. We're going to be back with uh, David Zink. We're going to talk some more issues, and um, I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. When times are hard, it's important to have the right perspective. On the next Focus on the Family, Crystal Evans-Hurst shares unique insights into how we can reconnect with God and find His perspective when we need it most. You'll be encouraged next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Nothing hurts my mom that she showed anyway. She'd always say, you do what you need to do to take care of yourself. But she thought that meant she had to do it on her own. We were trained to help others, but there's strength in finding help for yourself too. We're in this together. The VA Women Veterans Call Center connects veterans with personalized information on VA services that can make a difference. Call 1-855-VA-WOMEN or visit www.womenshealth.va.gov. To some, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much, but that's not true. They're testing out vowels and consonants and trying different sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on meaning, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, speaking today with my guest, David Zink, who's running for 3rd District State Assembly as a Democrat, but that shouldn't be the only criteria you think about. That's why we're learning about his his thoughts. How are you um, 
I mean, I know I want you to tell us a few things in general of why people should vote for you, but I'd also like to make sure to hear how do you feel about the the whole business environment and taxes and I mean, are they too high, too low, or do we not know? Or mm-hmm. what's some of your feelings on that? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. being business buzz, I'm supposed to stick to a business. Just subject. gonna softball <laughs> it in there like that, huh? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I'll take that one on. Uh, and, and just just to refresh your folks, um, you know, the California State Assembly is part of the state legislature. Right. And just like uh, the uh, Congress, the federal Congress, we have a corollary here in the state legislature. It consists of the state assembly, which has 80 members, and uh, the state senate, which has 40 members. Mm-hmm. And so I'm running for... Uh, the assembly, uh, essentially, kind of like the House of Representatives. Yeah, the People's House. I'm running for the People's House of California. That's the job that I'm going after. Uh, so, you know, um, uh, I've had a lot of conversations with uh, business owners uh, here in the North State. Many of them on the farm side of things, um, and quite often, um, what I hear are complaints about uh, regulation. Um, I hear complaints about competition with. Um, the environment, uh, and there seems to be a real sort of division in, in understanding how we should approach things. Um, I, I look at the tough problems that we're facing here in the North State, um, managing our forests, um, you know, drought, uh, taking care of you know, our communities and taking care of our businesses. And I'm thinking, what we need to do is approach these big problems with a triple bottom line. A lot of B corporations out there do this kind of thing. Right, yeah, I, um, I learned about those. The triple bottom line, just a refresher for those who already know about it, um, uh, includes uh, a bottom line for business, of course. Businesses need to be able to stay in business and make a profit. A bottom line for communities. What we do as businesses should be good for our communities, not just now, but in the long run. We need to think long term about what we do as businesses that can help our communities as opposed to create a situation where we leave them with a burden. And we've seen lots of examples of that over time um, when, uh, you know, when, when some business out there uses petroleum products and they just dump it out on the soil and then it's somebody else's job to clean up, it becomes a brownfield later on. That's a government burden that people, that taxpayers have to pay for in the long run. Businesses should not be allowed to do that. They need to think more in terms of their own personal responsibility, their stake in the long-term good of our communities. So that's the second bottom line we need to think about. And the third is our natural systems, which, after all, are the reasons most of us move to the North State. It's beautiful here. Right. We love uh, the environment out there. We can't take it for granted. And there are things that, um, that we do in business or as communities that sacrifice uh, the environment unnecessarily. So let's look at our natural systems and see if we can come up with wiser, better solutions that satisfy all three bottom lines. So that's how I look at business problems here in the North State. Are businesses overtaxed? Of course they are. Talk to a businessman. Does he like being taxed? Nobody does. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, um, uh, California is a fair state, and um, I've you know, become aware of uh, lots of areas of regulation that are a burden on, on businesses. And uh, I really think that we need to examine um, the context in order to come up with wiser, better solutions. So long as California is not competitive with other states when it comes to the business environment and taxation, then we are 
uh, at risk of losing some good residents. Yeah. I've spoken to many people out on the campaign trail who tell me they're voting with their taillights on California. <laughs> right. I, I actually have an, have an audit going on for a client with a franchise tax board, and I've sort of become friends with the auditor. And this auditor even mentioned yesterday that revenues are down because of all the people that are leaving California. I've spoken to many of them. In fact, I won't, I won't reveal their names, but I've spoken to some elected officials that are planning on leaving California. <laughs> right. right? Now, now, I don't want to be naive, but I kind of am on the state politics. So I'm going to ask you a question that I think the listeners would also like an answer on. Yeah. Where are we in this whole election? What are the dates we need to be aware of? Where are we right now? Sure. So the primary has passed. The right. primary was on June 7th. And you did you win that for the Democrats? So the way the way that you win a primary is you become one of the top 2 vote getters of the of either par- any party. Any party. So And you're one of the top 2? I'm one of the top 2. I, so. I can guess who number 1 is. Tell me. The current assembly. <laughs> there you go. And his name is Jim Gallagher. Jim Gallagher. And Jim, you know, Jim's got some fans here in the North State. He also has some folks that are not fans. Um, Can you tell us a couple contrasts between you and Jim right now that we might keep in mind? Well, yeah, I think the top compra- contrast is that Jim is a hyperpartisan. Um, right now, uh, as of February, Jim has uh, become the um, assembly minority leader on behalf of the Republicans. Now, you might say, well, that's good, isn't it? Well, actually... On a, for a couple of reasons, that's not good. He's also the Republican caucus leader. What's not good about that? It means that he cannot take exception to the party line on any issue. Right. And, He'll be stuck having to vote as they, sort of as they tell him, even though you don't want to say it that way. So the way that he will conduct himself is as a triumphalist in the politics. Not a we the people person, but a we the political party person. He's not going to want to lean in and have content-filled conversations with Democrats. And maybe change his mind. That's the thing. Look, folks, if you believe in America, then you believe in having a conversation about these things. Right. So that's that's what America is. So We're, that's a pretty big point about uh, a difference between you and your opponent. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I want to lean in with respect and curiosity. I really want to get to know how the other side thinks about an issue as I'm, uh, you know, uh, sharing my own point of view on things and just test, I, I see it as a test of uh, my, my position. Right. You know, yeah. there's some bad, if we're in conflict about it at all, it means there are some bad ideas in here. So let's kick out the right. bad ideas. Let's climb in and kick them out. And I know we're getting short on time and you have another uh, appointment to get to, but um, my biggest concern personally, and not that the state of California is necessarily directly involved in this, but it sort of is because a lot of these things are located in California. My biggest problem over the last couple of years with politics in general is the fact that all of my favorite guys on YouTube have been booted off. And it's sort of a free speech issue is sort of approaching us nationally. Mm. But then again, a lot of those companies are in California. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you as a independent-minded Democrat and you like debates and discussions, you're for everybody having a voice. Is that right? I am an advocate of free speech. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And uh, Some but, people forget that, and they, they take it for but granted. But let's not confuse uh, free speech 
with advocating the overthrow of our country. <laughs> no, oh, I do I, not get him started on that one. <laughs> okay, my surprise guest for the last five <laughs> minutes just piped in. <laughs> so, so no, no. Look, I'm just saying, free speech in general should be, you know, a cornerstone. We are. I agree. We we are unfortunately now suffering from an information disorder in our country. Um, look, every psychopath and as gets his own magazine these days. Right. Uh, it, you know, and, and his own local radio show, and his own <laughs> and his own local radio show. No, look, 1986, uh, the Reagan administration pressured the FCC to do away with uh, the, the the fairness doctrine. The fairness doctrine was about keeping a balance in the news, about making sure the other side had a fair chance to give their point of view. Right. The year, and you guys are not going to like this, maybe, but the year after that was um, put away. That's when Rush Limbaugh launched his radio oh, show, yeah. <laughs> and he was he was able to run uh, with that one-sided, biased, you know, taking all the all the ground he could from the Democrats um, for you know right up until when just just went before he passed right, away. Right. Um, uh, we've had whole news networks that have been built on the premise that they don't have to balance the news, even if they advertise themselves as fair and balanced. Right. We need to recreate ground rules that uh, those who call themselves news agencies have to agree to abide by. It's not, about, um, it, it's, not a, it's not about doing away with free speech. It's about responsible speech. Right. And we need to hold to account those um, who would perpetuate false narratives. On whether, both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, and when you're talking with both me and Scott, yeah. you never say you both might disagree. <laughs> you just say one of you will disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I appreciate the time. Oh, yeah. Thanks uh, for coming, David. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the luck. And, and if I may, um, uh, if, if your listeners would like to find out more about yeah, my campaign. Tell us how they can get a hold of you. Please look me up online at zincforassembly.com. It's Z-I-N-K-F-O-R assembly.com. You'll see that I've got an issues page there. You'll also see that I've rounded up a lot of endorsements, uh, most recently from U.S. Senator Alex Padilla, um, but also several former mayors of, of Chico and a former mayor of, of Red Bluff and a, a current council member here in Chico and a couple of folks from Oroville. So um, my campaign is gaining traction out there, and um, there's uh, contact uh, information at my website. I would love to hear from your listeners on the issues they care about. Please make this an opportunity in which I can listen to you. That's great. So, yeah, please uh, visit um, zincforassembly.com and get some input. We can actually have a little control over things. Just got to jump back in. And that's a zinc with a K. Thanks zinc so much. Zinc with a K. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming, David. Well, we just have a few minutes left, and it's almost that end of the hour, but I do have a second special guest today. Yeah, what I miss? The, the business buzz <laughs> regulars will understand, and they'll know that voice. I think, yeah, strangely <laughs> androgynous, though it is. So what do you think of him? You know, I, I didn't know, as you can tell, I did not know a lot about that. My tax season has been so busy, I'm not even in the loop on a lot of this news, but... It's nice to meet kind of a regular person that wants to be in the politics. Yeah. And I don't know Gallagher at all, so. Gall you know what? Gall he's probably a nice guy. He's, he? he's pretty good. I've actually done a fundraiser with Gallagher uh -huh. and uh, even sat at his table. And he's just, uh, he's, you know, 
a down-to-earth guy too, but he is a partisan warrior. Uh-huh. And there are some people who who enjoy that, and there's some people who don't. I'm one of the people who don't. Right. I contribute equally to Republicans and Democrats, and I will always favor, on both sides, I will always favor the person who's willing to reach across the aisle and work with other people. Right. You know, I'll yeah. work, I've donated Deborah Lacero. I've donated to Andrew Coolidge. Right. And, um, you know, it's, are you able to coordinate with your opponents? Because I got news for the world. Uh, right now, we're, or America, we're about 50-50 split. And I guarantee you, the other 50, no matter how stupid you think they are, they're not going to self-deport. Although now it turns out they are because they're voting with their headlights. So, right. <laughs> Or their taillights. Taillights, excuse yeah, me, yeah. yeah. And so I get that. And maybe... Maybe we need someone like David who's willing to work across the aisle and, and be less partisan. Now, how did you meet him? Did you know him through the uh, community called, or something? He called me. Oh. The man, like, actually, he called my brother. Oh, out of, out about of the, what? Just to introduce himself. Oh, okay. I mean, like, here's yeah. a guy. He's just, hey, my name's David. I'm running for the assembly. Can I oh, cool. sit down and speak with you? And, I, and Josh said, you need to talk to my brother. Right. And so David called me and I said, called me twice even. Cool. And I said, let's sit down for, for coffee. He said, I'd love it. And then I th- thought to myself, I said, you know what? Let's sit down over a radio show instead. <laughs> no, I'm glad, I'm glad you know him. That was, that was very interesting. It was a pleasant surprise to have a, a guest who's actually running for office. And I had a client in the past. Oh, I still have a client, but he was, a, he was an assemblyman for one term. Which, who's that? His last name was Koto, C-O-T-O, real oh, nice guy. Oh, that was a long time Yeah, it was ago. quite a while ago. We're running up on the last break. Uh, thanks for coming in, Scott. Appreciate your It's like appreciate 349. Your How long's the break going to be? I have to follow the program here. Uh, okay. Four anyway, minutes. Thanks I for get li- four minutes. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. Uh, this is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Simon, the gas. I'll see you next time.